You are listening to the Battle Born Libertarian Podcast, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Nevada. Here's your host, Tyus France. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Born Libertarian Podcast. I'm your host, Tyus France, but this week I am out of, uh, well, I'm out of the state. So I'm going to be traveling, which means I can't be on the show today. Uh, fortunately, Sam Toll has stepped up and he has done an interview with uh, Doug Marsh, who is uh, running under the Libertarian ticket. So without further ado, here is that interview. Hey, uh, here today with Doug Marsh. Um, Doug, I'm up here in, in Gold Hill, Nevada, the northern part of the state. You're down in, in Las Vegas, and with the astonishingness of technology, we're gathered here together over the Internet to talk about your race for county commissioner down there in Clark County. Yeah, actually, I am in Henderson, not Las Vegas, but uh, Clark County is uh, Clark County District G is where I reside, and that is the office that I am uh, running for in November. I like to tell people, yeah, I'm not in Virginia City. I'm in Gold Hill, which is about a mile down the, <laughs> down the road. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's like Henderson. It's like, no, I'm not in Vegas. Um, well, it, it is funny, Sam. You're right, because when we travel, and uh, I have a wife and uh, now he's a 17-year-old kid, when we travel, I must admit, I if we're in uh, – Birmingham, Alabama, I say, people say, where are you from? I say Las Vegas, Nevada, just because, you know, you want to, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of, there's the big city, that's where people know. So, that's right. Little yeah, brand that, is, that is true. So, yeah, you got to use the brand for what it's worth. That's right. So, listen, I really enjoyed listening to you on the, I can't remember, the Sparks uh, podcast. Um, right, Sparks Radio podcast. Yeah. Thank you. And I thought that, you know, of course, Sparks is a suburb of Reno up here. I figured those guys were from Sparks, but it sounds like they're down there in your neck of the woods as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, he and Greg, who were on that, are down in uh, southern Nevada. He has a radio show here on local radio, as does Greg, that I used to be on with them for a few years. And he, uh, he Sparks, is originally from Cleveland, Ohio, so... Yeah, he has been all over America and moved to uh, Southern Nevada for a radio position. So, yeah, it does make sense. Uh, he should he should be up in the northern part of the state. <laughs> well, yeah, as we like to say, Reno is our, uh, yeah, how's that go? Reno's so close to hell you can see sparks. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, okay, so that's my attempt at comedy. I know it sounds like you have a background in that, but uh, let's talk about your political background. Um, it sounds like uh, I'm a reformed liberal. I came to the Libertarian Party from, you know, a place of, of progressive uh, liberal values. I recognize that the Democratic Party pretty much abandoned me uh, right around the time President Obama took over. And so I, I said, hey, you know what? There's got to be something else out there. I listened to Ron Paul, and his message resounded with me. And uh, now it's funny. I, you know, I look back at myself um, and, and, and see where I am today, and I'm like, dude, there's no way that you would be as conservative as you are um, you know, if I was to say in 10 years that, that that's where I'm at. So where are you at? How did you come to the Libertarian Party? Well, that's a, I'll tell you what. We came from exact opposite uh, places. I was a, when I turned 18, I, my mom and dad always instilled voting. Voting is so important. So even as a young kid, my mom would take me down and, you know, we'd walk to the place where you would vote and, uh, you know, make sure she, she made sure I knew 
how important voting was. So I came to it in 1983. I registered as a Republican, and I had been a registered Republican until 2017. And I was, as I told everybody, I was a moderate Republican. I would look at not, I was not a party line person. I would look and I often voted for third party candidates. I even voted uh, a few times for Democrat, Democratic candidates. I looked at the person first, the issues, a close, very close second. But if I did not agree with somebody or did not like their character, uh, I found it very hard to vote for them. So I was attracted to the Republican Party because I believe in what I thought the Republican Party was, and that was a fiscally responsible party of a balanced budget and less government intrusion. And much like you, as you started to go away from you know, the left in theory, I went away from the right in that to me, the Republican Party does not stand for getting out of people's business. In fact, I think on a lot of issues, they're more in people's business than the Democratic Party. And also, boy, oh boy, you look at the way the government on local levels all the way up to federal, it doesn't matter which of the two parties are in power. We are not getting fiscally responsible budgetary action from either party, even when Let's say the Republicans are totally in control. They are not delivering what I thought the Republican Party stood for. And last year I looked for a change, and uh, that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go Libertarian Party. Well, you know, it's really interesting that you say that. You know, Ronald Reagan said, uh, you know, the was it the eight worst words? I'm with the government and I'm here to help you. Um, <laughs> you know, the Republicans did believe back in the day that that they should uh, leave us alone and and take as little of our money as possible, and you know, promote business uh, where it's appropriate. And of course, today um, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. Uh, you know, they're into spending. You used to hear tax and spend Democrats, those rascals, they're just going to take your money and waste it. Well, you know, George Bush, uh, you know, created this huge monster in the uh, Department of Homeland Security, biggest you know, government agency ever. And, you know, they, do, they spend tons of money. Uh, the Republicans in Nevada in 2015 passed the biggest tax bill and, and the biggest, you know, in, in burdened us with the biggest tax burden uh, that, that's ever been in Nevada history. So, yeah, it's really disappointing to watch them both go away. And, of course, even today, uh, you know, tra uh, Trump's tax cut was great, but it didn't come with a spending cut. Um, exactly. It was all politically motivated, and that's exactly right. Uh, to add to a deficit is ridiculous, and that's why, and if you listen to the other podcast I was on, it has become so apparent that both parties, all they're trying to do is appease a base. That's all they're trying to do, and if they can do short-term, you know, little rewards for their base to keep getting reelected, that's what they're concerned about. They're not concerned about the long-term benefits of anything anymore. They're concerned with short-term gains, so when it comes time for that election cycle to go on, they can say, oh, look, we did this, we did this, we did this. Well, yeah, but what about this? Dean Heller, I've reached out to multiple times and said, okay, you know, because he trumpets himself and says, oh, well, you know, this is, uh, that's my tax cut. I help write that and everything. And I have reached out to him multiple times, have not heard one thing about well, what about the deficit? What about the adding to the deficit? What on the spending side? I, I haven't heard one thing from them. 
Yeah, no, and in fact, you know, we've hit twenty trillion dollars in debt, and and people just can't wrap their heads around it. I've got uh, four children, uh, twenty six through six. Um, your seventeen year old, you know what? It's on them. That money, that credit card is yeah. is going to be paid by them, and and I feel badly for them, um, especially the way our our educational system is is performing, and what kind of careers that kids coming out of college are prepped for. You know, one of the questions that I have for you down there in Clark County, uh, you know, the Clark County School District is the biggest school district in the nation. I read a stat that said that they've got uh, 5,500 plus employees who are in administration who make north of 100 grand a year. Um, yeah. What kind of effect uh, can you have as a, as a county commissioner? Because I know your hands are kind of tied in that you're not running for a school board, you're running for county commissioner. But right. what kind of effect does a county commissioner in Clark County have, and could you, uh, uh, you know, impact on the, what's going on in, in that troubled uh, school district? Well, unfortunately, uh, not not too much because of exactly what you said. That is the that is a different agency. The Clark County Commission is, you know, more over the police department, uh, you know, the... Southern Nevada Health District, Water District, things like that. The Clark, but what we can do, and what I think uh, Steve Brown is somebody who's in the Libertarian Party, who's really uh, taken a lead on that. And we've gone down to the Clark County School District, and I think as and fought for teachers' pay and janitors' pay rather than exactly what you said. This redundancy in their upper administration, some of those positions not needed. And when you talk about salaries. A thing that's left out often is the benefits, too. And there's a great site, Transparent uh, Nevada, um, where you can go and you can look at all these salaries and benefit packages and see the administrators are making millions and millions of dollars. And my hat's off. That's one of the things that really got me into the Libertarian Party here locally is their fight for the teachers and the janitors for the Clark County School District and not raising taxes because the school board often, we've, been, we've sat down there and we've heard them say, oh, well, you know, you need to, our hands are tied too. We need to raise taxes. That's preposterous. <laughs> the money is there. The administration is so overwhelmed or just overloaded with redundant positions and here's the thing. If we were ranked number two or number three or number four, you'd go, wow, you know, that administration, they're doing, they, you know what? They probably deserve those salaries. We are great. Guess what? We're about on the opposite end. In fact, we are on the opposite end of the spectrum. We are the worst. So right there, doesn't that kind of tell you, hey, maybe they're not doing such a great job, and it's been years that they've been not doing a great job. So that's going back to why I'm a libertarian. I think that is the number one reason locally here why I was attracted to the party, what they're trying to do, as I have a kid in the Clark County School District, and I see the cuts, the massive cuts that are being made at a school level when not only do they have these administrators, highly paid overly paid administrators, they add administrative positions. One position they added this year was to get a position to figure out why kids are going to, you know, these other schools, not in the Clark County School District, how we can make sure they don't, you know, why are charter schools and things like that? Well, I think it's apparent our Clark County School District is failing the students. Wait, what? Free market? Competition? Wait a second. We yeah. can't have that. These government We can't schools, have that. We got to open. 
And I'll tell you what, and that's the thing about listening to people and not being so quick to argue. I must admit, you talked to me 10, 15 years ago, I would have been on the other side of that school question in charter schools. And you know what? I listen to a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me at that. And in fact, are writing dissertations and papers. And I started to see the benefits. And you're right, exactly. It's like, oh my gosh, you know what? Competition A is good. And B, I can see now the benefits of these schools when they are properly administered. And there are a lot of fine schools here in Clark County that are done well. You know, it, it's, but I guess going back to that, that's the point of keeping an open mind and listening to other sides because don't just shut your mind down all the time. Be open to new ideas and, you know, do the facts, do the research, look at it. Well, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, when we talk about the, the message of liberty, when we talk about what it is that we believe in as libertarians, um, I like to say, hey, you know what? 80% of the people that are out there are libertarians. They just don't know it yet. And right. when we as libertarians talk to other folks, what I do, rather than trying to argue with people and, and tell them why they're wrong or dumb, I say, look, you know what? We're to the left of the left in some areas, and we're to the right of the right in some areas. But what I have with you is common ground here, here, and here. And so whether you're talking about you know, uh, 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 someone on the left, when you're talking about women's rights, when you're talking about uh, the drug war, when you're talking about the, the school-to-prison pipeline you know, these are things that resonate with them. And then when we talk to the to the folks on the right, talk about fiscal conservancy, Second Amendment, we talk about things that resonate with them, you know, it makes, it, it, it says, it, it shows to them, hey, check it out. You actually do have an alternative. You can, as I like to tell people, dude, you can eat Cheerios for breakfast for the rest of your life or Honey Nut Cheerios, um, depending on what you're into that day. Uh, but those are the only choices that the Democrats and the Republicans offer us. And so... We like to say, hey, if you want, uh, you know, pizza and ice cream for breakfast, dude, libertarians are all about it. Um, well, and that, I think you, uh, I, of course, did a little research on you, and I read an article you were quoted in in the Las Vegas Sun, and I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said, new libertarians are generally younger and more diverse, and that's why I think it's so important. I am lucky here in District G. UNLV is just right on, you know, there are people who go to UNLV that live in District G, of course, and it's right on the edge. There's also the uh, Nevada State College. There's also uh, the uh, Junior College here. So there's many colleges, and I went and spoke at UNLV just about a, about eh, six to eight weeks ago, and that is the hope right there, uh, a lot of it. It's these young voters coming in that see that both parties have not been servicing the American public well, or the Clark County public, or whatever, you know, the Nevada State, whatever you want to say, and they are open to listening to different ideas, and when you go speak, and that's what I said, I go, you know, go vote, and look at all the candidates, and don't fall into that trap of, oh, I, you know, my mom voted Republican, so I have to vote Republican for, you know, 20 years or whatever. Look at people's ideas and the candidates that are available. And sometimes you vote Republican. Sometimes you vote Libertarian. Sometimes you vote Independent. Sometimes you vote, you know, Democratic. But the key is, especially nowadays with all the information out there, is listen to the people, see who you believe in most of, because as you said, Sam, you're not going to believe with everything somebody says. That's, you know, that's ridiculous, but 
you just go with that. And I think that's the hope is the future of people coming in, being disgruntled with just two choices, opening up the ballot and having more choices and better opportunities. And so that's what you're hoping to offer the folks down there in Clark County and Dist- in uh, District G with with a choice that's different from the status quo. What's interesting is, you know, most people when they look at libertarians, they're like, "Oh yeah, whatever, dude." L L that L stands for losertarians, not libertarians. But one of the things that I'm finding uh, great hope in is what you just touched on, and I do uh, outreach. Uh, so I was born and raised up here in Northern California, in Northern Nevada. I moved to Northern California and spent a 30-year career running my business, 75 employees, signed the front of a paycheck for about 25 years, moved back. But I, I do a lot of outreach with the, politi- with the Libertarian Party in Placer County where I lived, and, and the, the voter uh, registrar has a program called Rock the Vote. They go to the high schools. They introduce the parties that are on the ballot. Usually it's the Democrats, Republicans, and Libertarians. And then they sign them up to register to vote. And the trend over the last five years is, um, you know, Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians added together will usually, but not always, beat no party preference. The kids are, are not satisfied with what they're being offered. And when they hear the message of liberty, I get a lot of converts. I usually beat the Democrats down there and beat the Republicans occasionally. It's a Placer County is a conservative county. But you're right. I mean, you know, people look at the parties and what the Democrats and Republicans offer. And today they're, you know, they pretend to have a differentiation and and, uh, pretend to be different. But in fact, they're exactly the same. And it's frustrating. Agreed. Agreed. And that's why when I decided to run for office, I it was just a timing issue with my life. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot at this time. I went to, you know, scope out the Libertarian Party because I didn't have a lot of uh, contact with them. And I was so impressed with the local leadership down here that when we, we started talking and everything, I I would have been ashamed, to be honest, to be running with an R next to my name, as that's what I had been. And I was not ready, or I still did not want to run, switch over to a D, because exactly what you said. To me, both parties are so alike, and they are not there to represent the people. No. They are there to represent special interests, and I find it humorous that... My Republican opponent down here, you know, says that the, she is, you know, such a independent and, uh, you know, will represent the people and everything and, you know, is the true independent uh, choice on the ballot. Really? You're running as a Republican. A, a new way to run things? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't get it. And then the Democrat down here, just to give equal time, is such a career politician and has raised so much money. And this is one thing I like people to make sure and do. You can go to the NVSOS, and you can see who's donating to every candidate that runs. Legally, you have to file. And if you go to my Democratic opponent, I mean, you'll see, you know, 10000 from casinos all up and down Clark County. Well, isn't that amazing? So, you know, almost a quarter of a million dollars. I repeat, almost a quarter of a million dollars raised by my Democrat opponent 
and you'll see $10,000 MGM Grand Hotel, $10,000 MGM Resorts International, $10,000 Wynn Resorts. Wow. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you're definitely, uh, you're definitely a, a career politician, and when a vote comes up, how on earth am I as a citizen going to be looking up there thinking, oh, well, you're looking out for my best interest, right? Not only right? they, I mean, yeah, not only are you not looking out for your best interest, they don't even know what your best interest is, um, and and that's really frustrating. All politics are local, and when you look at what happens there in in District G, and what affects the the people, the everyday taxpayers, Joe and Mary Lunchbox, there are issues that are completely different from those that affect the businesses on the strip, and. You know, there's the, in most cases they're not compatible with each other, and when when you see that kind of money, you pretty much know what way the decisions are going to go, and that's uh, that's why people like you, Doug, are so refreshing when you're willing to put your you know your 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 family's interest uh, in the back seat and and be able to you know have the the spotlight of scrutiny you know shined all over you and and exposed to that kind of uh, scrutiny. In, in running for office, it's it's really commendable that you're doing that. And clearly, you're a, a very capable and competent mind. So hopefully, there's folks that are listening to you and can resonate, or your message can resonate with them. Now, do you have, have you been to many county commission meetings? Well, I watch, uh, I'll tell you what, the, we're talking about modern technology here. There, Clark County does does some things right, and I'll tell you a couple things. They do voting right, in my opinion. They make voting very, very easy, and I commend them on that. Great job. You know, there's the early voting. You can go to places very close by. Another thing that they do very well is every one of these uh, meetings are online. Right. They go live online. So I must admit, I watch every... One, if I can't watch them live, then I'll re-watch. Like this last one, I've watched part of it so far, the one that was just uh, a couple days ago as we record this. Um, so I, you know, study the issues because I, as I tell everybody, I take this like my master's class. I recently got an MBA. I have a bachelor's wow. in economics, so there's my educational background. And did I follow the Clark County Commission you know, down to a letter before I decided to run? I must admit, no. The big issues, of course, you pay attention to. But now I watch every one, and I either watch them live if I can, or they're all archived. You can go, and they do a great job there. Uh, Clark County does a great job, so you can see what's going on. I must admit, a lot of times I'm watching it, and you can see how many other people are watching it at the same time, and that number sometimes is down around 12. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a lot, but that's the, way I, uh, that's the way I follow along right now. I use technology since I'm down here in Henderson and, you know, have other things that are going on. Sometimes I can't make it up to the meetings, but, of course, if I got elected, I would make it to every meeting. Just yeah. to clear that up. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's actually a good point. So up here in Story County, uh, surprising, shock, shock, this county uh, called one of the most corrupt counties in uh, in the state and has been referred to as the most corrupt county in the nation more than once. Um, they certainly do not provide an archive of their meetings. Uh, the the recording system literally looks like it's from the 1980s. You're looking at this little periscope, you can't even see any of the people. I, I did check out one uh, Vegas County Commission meeting, and Reno does the same thing. Great video, excellent posting, 
total, yeah. you know, all the minutes, the packets, everything, so you can see what's going on. But, you know, most people don't have time to uh, to interact, to go down. You know, they got jobs, they got kids, they got mortgages, they got, you know, stuff. And so it's hard to participate on, on the, in the in-person level. But... And the other side of that, or the other part of that equation, is that the meetings are are often, you know, super boring and mundane, and involved in things that are granular, and and you know, it's like, well, we want to approve this this sidewalk modification on the you know the intersection of some place that I've never been in Vegas or in Story County or whatever. And so you you sit through four hours of that, and you'd like, man, if I only had an ice pick, I would shove it in my eye to see which is more painful and you know uh, brutal to sit through. Um, but what you're doing, you know, the the commissioners are doing important business, and in and amongst those mundane little topics that come up and fill the daily bill, there's very important things that affect you know people in District G, people in Clark County. Um, on, that will affect them on a daily basis for the next 10, 20 years. And having a person in there who actually gives a, you know, a tinkers, you know what, about, about the people and the, their neighbors next door uh, is so important. Um, you know, and, and it sounds like that, you, that would be you if, if, when you get elected uh, here in November. That is exactly right. And that's the as I tell people, try watching one, and it is interesting, and it, as you said, it does affect your everyday life, and that's the thing, but it is a lot of uh, just boring topics for people, but they're important topics, and I think what happened with the Clark County Commission that became it, made it so famous, was, of course, the stadium issue down here, with the Raiders you know, moving down here in a few years, that's what kind of thrust the Clark County Commission to, oh my gosh, you know, people who weren't even quite aware of what they did or anything, I think that's made it, put it on the front burner and got it in the sports sections and the front pages of, you know, websites down here and, of course, the papers down here. And I think that's when people started to pay more attention to the seven people that are on that board. Let me ask you a question uh, because I, I have absolutely no idea, but I'm going to guess. Uh, do do the, the the board members all stand in line and and uniformly say I so that it's a unanimous decision on on damn near everything that they do? Yes, pretty much. Now they're occasionally. First of all, they're all Democrats, right? There there are seven of them. They're all Democrats, and Jim Gibson, who is currently the commissioner of District G, was appointed halfway through because his predecessor uh, didn't serve out the term. So he is not up for re-election, but he has been for the last several years the Clark County commissioner for District G, and he's the former Henderson mayor. So he is, you know, a well-connected uh, politician down here. But I... Boy, I mean, I cannot think of a time he didn't vote with Sisolak. I'm trying to, if he did, it was very, very, I mean, maybe just a few times. I know Chris G. was one of the, uh, was the only commissioner that voted against the final uh, $750 million uh, tax increase to support the stadium, which, and I remember being at the Libertarian uh, 
convention down here in Clark County. I led off by saying I am a Raiders fan, and I think people were about to throw things at me. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Raiders fan who doesn't think public money should have been put towards, or at that time it was still it was in the pipeline, should be going towards supporting a billion-dollar industry. And I said this many times, the Carolina Panthers just sold for $2.2 billion, billion dollars. These stadium deals, look at it historically. Look at what Arizona's going through right now. Look at what Miami's going through. Why are we as taxpayers, and I know they'll say it's a room tax, so it doesn't affect us. Yeah, it's not to me, us. That's, that, that's baloney. We're, we're, a tourist, <laughs> we're a tourist destination. So we keep adding taxes to people's rooms and things like that and making it more expensive to come here. If they're paying taxes, guess what they're not doing? They're not doing other things, spending money here in Clark County. So I don't understand that. That was one commissioner saying, well, it's not really a tax on us. I'm like, oh, my. I about shot out of my chair. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, that's absolutely I mean, ridiculous. Think, think about that, right? Oh, we could go to Vegas, but it's so expensive. Let's go to the Indian Casino that's right down the road. And uh, exactly, they just don't understand that. And so, I, Tyus and I actually talked about this, and I listened to your your uh, conversation on this on Sparks Podcast. And um, one of the things, and I'm gonna for folks who listened to the last podcast, I'm going to repeat myself, but I was a huge San Francisco Giants fan and I went to Candlestick Park uh, endured that armpit for years and years um the people in San Francisco were asked three times to float uh, a bond and, and and pay for a new stadium and you know the people in San Francisco you know they probably couldn't agree that oxygen is a good thing to have in the air uh, with a from a consensus standpoint so um they voted them down and and what did the Giants do they went to the bank they financed exactly. their own stadium. They they put in one of the most beautiful places to watch a baseball game in the United States, and I've been to many parks, so I can testify to that. And guess what? Not only do they have an asset that generates revenue for other events, but after they won a World Series or two, uh, yeah, you know, just like you mentioned about the Panthers, you know, they're not their net worth went, uh, you know, probably tripled. Um, and so that's an asset. Uh, guess what? They can afford that. And the fans, I remember writing, you know, $15,000, $20,000 checks for my seat license and my little brick that you can still step on there in the entryways you walk in. Um, there's no reason why, I mean, zero reason why the, the you know, people who own the, the teams can't finance their own building. I mean, you know, I bought an 8,000-square-foot building in downtown Sacramento to run my business. Guess, who, guess how many local people paid for that? None. I paid for it out of my own back pocket. It's, it's absurd that folks think that it's okay because somehow there's this, you know, fabric of the community and the sports team gives us all something to rally around. Well, that's that may be, but... It's also a business, and every other business that I know of, uh, you know, has to pay their own way. I agree 100%. And if we want to go to Clark County here for a minute, I uh, had the privilege and honor of working with the Vegas Golden Knights, and I will be again next year on game day operations. I worked up in the media section. Wow. But talk about, yeah, first of all, what a great story. And uh, I'll give you a quick thing right here, Sam, is when people say, oh, there's you can't win as a third-party candidate. I go, first of all, over 150 libertarians are in local offices around the country, so that's false. And I go, secondly, I work for the Vegas Golden Knights. I was there before they ever uh, 
skated on the T-Mobile arena ice and people were saying, oh my gosh, you know, they're at last place. I mean, maybe, maybe second to last place in their division. Right. You know, uh, so I don't want to hear this can't be done because I was sitting there at a Stanley Cup game. Granted, they lost to the Washington Capitals, but they won the Pacific Division. They won the Western Conference. So when people say, oh, Doug, you can't win, I go, oh, really? Yeah, I've heard that before. Why don't you go tell that to the Golden Knights? You know, so it's just it's just that mindset of third party can't win. A, third party does win. This election cycle, I think you'll see a lot of third parties winning. And you know what? Don't tell people they can't do things. That, that, the Republicans and Democrats like nothing more than for people to be out there saying, oh, third party can't win. My gosh, that's a dream to them because they get to just stay in power. Yeah, no, it, it locks down their duopoly, and, and that message that they put out is is pretty funny because you and I both know. I mean, you guys clearly demonstrated it. Um, you know, there's this socialist gal from uh, in New York City who who kicked out a 19 year old, a 19 year long uh, politician in in uh, the you know spitting on the status quo. People are sick of what's going on in our country, and you know. Like it or not, you know, like him or not, uh, Donald Trump also represents that, right? I mean, he yeah. supposedly, I don't think he's, just like Barack Obama, I don't think he actually has panned out to be as uh, independent as we, as he said he would be. But regardless, the reason that Donald Trump is sitting uh, in the White House is because people are sick of the status quo. And that just gives folks like you, um, you know, a clear opportunity. And so tell me a little bit about how your uh, running your campaign down there. I, I, I listened again on the podcast, and I really recommend folks go listen to that because you guys really uh, you have a good good uh, chemistry there on that on that show. But how is it that you're campaigning, and how are you reaching people in uh, in in your district there, District G? Well, one thing I am is uh, going to any place that will have me. Speak. I think that's, you know, when you go out and you talk to people individually and they can actually hear you, I think that's a, a very good way to, you know, the best way to reach out. And I know uh, that that will continue to ramp up as the election gets closer. Uh, being a former radio guy, I will have radio spots actually starting down here in Clark County uh, starting next week. So, you know, just to get the name recognition out. I was on for a long time on a rock radio station down here and on sports radio stations down here. So I just want people, you know, just like when I was on the Sparks Radio podcast, people are like, oh, my gosh, that's where that's where he went to, Doug. And, I, you know, just to get people out there, because I, when you listen to somebody on the radio, you kind of get this sense of who they are and what right. they believe in. So that's a good thing, because, like I said, I, I'm just being me. Um but, you know, going out and talking to people, and my website is DougMarsh4CCC.com, and I'm running my campaign right now differently than anybody else. I told you that site that you can go to, the NVSOS, and uh, see who's paying for everything or who's donating. Right now you would see... Uh, Right now, you would see nobody's donating for me. And while there are certain members, even of the Libertarian Party, who say that is not the wisest thing, that is, I do not want to be beholden to anybody, and I wouldn't uh, be beholden to anybody, or I would like to not think that. you know. But if all of a sudden you saw a $300,000 campaign uh, donation come in from somebody, you might say, well, Doug talks a big game, but look, he took 300000 from you know whoever. I think that... 
that to me is not what politics is about. Unfortunately, and I'm just going to be 100% honest here, unfortunately last year my dad, my mom, and my stepmom all passed away. Now they were, you know, very, they were in their 80s and things, so they lived a great long life, but it was strange to have that all happen in a span of about, you know, a few months. So that's why I left my radio career. I had to go up and handle some things. Uh, my mom was on hospice for a while, so I was in Southern California helping my sister a lot. But that did allow me to take a break because I did get some money. I'm by no means a millionaire, not even close to a millionaire, but it allowed me to take some time off. My wife has a good job, and my wife, my child, and I decided, you know what, Doug, take this time give this focus 100%, and if the voting doesn't happen like I wanted in November, then I'll go get a job. But right now I have the ability to focus 100% on this, get some campaign signs, get some radio advertisement, buy shirts, and, you know, give to people or people can get shirts and, you know, just pay the cost for them so I can buy more shirts and do it without taking contributions. And that allows me, I think, to make sure that, you know, I'm not beholden to anybody. And I so, think when you look at a candidate, that's an important thing. Now, wait a second. So you're literally like not – like if I came to you and, and donated $99 so that my name doesn't have to show up on your uh, Secretary of State's report, you wouldn't – you actually wouldn't take it? If you if, – well, let me be clear. If you wanted to buy a shirt from me, I would take it. Gotcha. Okay, good. And. Okay. And the shirt is uh, $20 for a campaign shirt, just so that allows me, I'll, full disclosure, I pay $10 for them, and I do 20 and then I tell the person that allows me to buy two more shirts or a campaign sign. And, you of know. course, if I so had $100 for it, you would probably take that, which is good. Um, but the fact that you're not taking money from folks who have an interest in your future votes uh, is super important. It speaks to your your uh, integrity and, and the kind of person that you are, and that's spectacular. Well, it, it, some people would say it speaks to my lack of intelligence because <laughs> there are people saying that you cannot win a race without that. But we'll see. You know, like I said, uh, when people say you can't, people said for a long time, Doug, you'll never be on radio. I was an instructor. I was a teacher before I went into radio. And it just happened to be that people would say, my gosh, you're funny, you're funny. You hear that all the time. People say that all the time. But all of a sudden, a program director and some people said that were in radio said, Doug, you're funny. Let's get you on the radio. So I was on the radio. you know. And when I was on the radio, it was funny because I, if you listen to that podcast on Sparks Radio, Sparks leans a little bit more left than I do on many topics. And he and I would debate topics in the morning. And, boy, I think... I think I only lost one uh, argument with them because we put it out to the listeners. The listeners would vote. Oh, cool. And say who won the argument. And, you know, they could be, it was rock radio. Not all the arguments were of high, you know, caliber, <laughs> important <laughs> topics. But people would start saying, Doug, you know, you should run. You should run for office. I'd vote for you and blah, blah, blah. And I think the one thing that I took away from that is I had people who were pretty hard Democrats and people who were hard Republicans and both were saying that and I thought wow I mean if both sides are saying that because they didn't agree with me on every issue but they understood that I would listen to them I would try to make a wise decision and some people would look at decisions and say well that wasn't wise but you know I'm just not going to say oh no this is the way it is nope this is the way it is 
you know, you listen to the arguments, and you do have to compromise, and that's what makes sometimes so funny. You go to certain political websites of my opponents, and the one that's running against me on the Republican side, you know, does these statements, oh, when I vote no, this won't happen. Well, that's not 100% true, because there are six other commissioners on there, and I would like to say that if I had been on the commission, this Raider Stadium 750 wouldn't have gone. Well, guess what? I would have been outvoted, but I guarantee you I would have been a voice, and if nothing else, first tried to compromise it down for crying out loud and voted against it. Uh, the 750, but if nothing else, be an active voice trying to work and inform people that at the very minimum, this should be put up for a vote to the people of Clark County, something this big, and not just, you know, put through quickly because the Raiders said it had to get put quickly. Let's let's remember that. No, oh, this is going to happen real quick or it's not going to happen. Okay, settle down. They didn't have a lot of options. Right. And, and you know, it's funny because a lot of those decisions, they either get made and are done and in the books before people even know about it. Or in the case of the Raiders, oh, my God, we have a gun to our head. We, can't, we have to act now or else we'll lose our opportunity forever. It's like, dude, where are you going to go? You guys are stuck in Oakland. It's not like you can just invent a new place in a new city. That's, you know, there's only a certain number of markets that can support it, blah, blah, blah. No, we'll take our time. We'll negotiate this in a manner that is, is you know, sober and prudent. And, uh, okay, if this is going to get shoved up our noses, well, um, golly, let's get the best deal possible and have the, you know, the, the smartest move that we can make as opposed to doing something in a rush so that people can, you know, get get bamboozled. And I got to tell you, the Raiders deal specifically is is really remarkable. I'm going to share with you, and again, I talked about some of this on the podcast that Tyus and, and I did on the last show we, we released, so uh, forgive me, folks, who listen to that. But it's really interesting to see the way that the cronyism uh, infected the Raiders deal. So uh, one of the big, uh, you know, people or, or institutions in the state of Nevada that, that helped get that done was the Governor's Office of Economic Development. They were heavily involved in the negotiations, in the financing packages, and in working with all the parties, <clears throat> excuse me, to get that done. And uh, for 14 years, uh, the Governor's Office of Economic Development, GOED, um, was, was headed by a guy named Steve Hill. Steve Hill uh, re- recently retired uh, right after the Raiders deal was set, and now, uh, surprise, surprise, is the head of the Las Vegas Stadium Authority. And so he's now managing that uh, $1.8 billion budget that he helped set up. And what's even more remarkable is the company that they've hired to basically be the staff of the Las Vegas Stadium Authority. That's a company called Applied Analytics. They're involved in a lot of stuff that GoEd does. They tried to shove a $30 million pipeline up the noses of of the uh, taxpayers of Story County up here with our northern boondoggle, the Tahoe Reno Industrial Complex or Center, and Tesla and Switch, who are both, uh, you know, corporate welfare hounds 
uh, up here in the north part of the state. And so it's really interesting to see how he feathered a bed that he then jumped out of one and into uh, you know the bed he just feathered with the with the Vegas authority. And you know there's millions and millions of dollars that are being spent. And, hey, he's got control of them. You don't think that his buddies who have contracting uh, opportunities are going to get those contracts, that businesses are going to start up overnight to do some of the things that, that the stadium needs. All that stuff happens. And that's one of the things that I fight against as a libertarian is the, you know, I'm a free market guy, and the free market doesn't exist when government and these corporations collude to take our tax dollars and benefit the few at the expense of the many. Well, and that's a great point on going back to what you said earlier, Sam, in the podcast. And I think it's quite apparent, you know, with voter dissatisfaction, and that's why now I did not vote for Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I voted, even though I was a registered Republican at the time, I voted for Gary Johnson in the presidential election. But, you know, the drain, the swamp that Trump was part of the thing that he was running on, it it hit a nerve with a lot of people. Now, unfortunately, this swamp is as swampy or as <laughs> it's ever been, in my opinion, Washington. So the words did not come into play. And since we're not talking about federal, if you ever want to have me back on, let's talk about tariffs and how bad they are for a while, oh, man. which is just amazing coming from a Republican uh, administration, uh, the tariffs. But, you know, that that's not Clark County. That's even though it does affect Clark County, especially some of our solar industry. But I digress. But going back to that is, you're right, as I always say, follow the money. When you follow the money, all of a sudden, the reason why people are doing things, especially, sadly, our politicians, it's just apparent. It's all right there. And that goes from, you can follow the money from Trump. You can follow the money, you know, from senators. You can follow it down all the way to local government agencies. And that's why a lot of, a lot of people that I know on my Facebook page, and granted, those are my Facebook friends and things like that, even though some of them I don't know too well, because when I was on radio, I'd just say, oh, yeah, yeah, you can be my friend, whatever. But still, they are so disgruntled with what is going on on both sides that you can see a shift is occurring, and I really think 2018 will be the start, this election cycle here will be the start of you seeing more and more third-party candidates winning or covering the spread between the two candidates or things like that just because people are disgruntled in why they thought, oh, well, the, you know, Democrats were in charge. We're going Republicans. That'll change things. Nah, it, it doesn't. That's the sad thing. These two parties aren't changing things for people in a positive way, and I think people are waking up and seeing that. Well, yeah, you know, they're, they're clearly two sides of the same coin. And, and as I said with uh, the choice between Hillary and, and Donald, um, listen, these are basically the same people. Uh, the difference really is one is covert and one is overt. Uh, we right. happen, right? We happen to elect the more interesting one, um, who you know, who makes a daily uh, visit to Twitter just uh, a real interesting opportunity. So, Doug, here's uh, part of the problem. Uh, you and I, I believe, we could probably go for another half hour, maybe another hour, maybe another week. But Tyus likes to keep these uh, podcasts close to a half an hour. We're we're clearly over that now, but. 
but that's okay. Um, what I'd like to do, uh, my, as, as communications director of the Nevada Libertarian Party, I'm going to do these same interviews with all of the candidates that we've got. I think we've got about seven or eight uh, folks who are running for um, substantial offices. And I, of course, I'm running for school board up here in little old Story County, uh, but I won't toot my horn because uh, yeah, I'm tooting it myself up here. But I'd like to come back uh, later on closer to you know the election and, and have another conversation with you after you've had a chance to get some more you know campaigning under your belt. Um, I agree with you. Nothing beats face-to-face, -face, and the more opportunities you have to get out in front of people, um, you know, the better it's going to be for you because clearly you're articulate, you're smart, you, you're capable of, you know, communicating and listening and, and, and sharing with people uh, what you believe in. So I'd like to help do that again. Um, make sure that you share this stuff. If folks want to get a hold of you and, and, and talk to you directly or via email, um, what's the, and of course, you've mentioned the, pocket or the, the website, but tell folks again about how your presence, you know, your Twitter address and that sort of thing. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, which I must admit I'm new to Instagram, but they're both the same. Doug Marsh, D-O-U-G-M-A-R-S-H, 2018. That's Twitter and Instagram. And also on Facebook, it's Doug Marsh CCC. It's a like page, so you can do it that way. Or as I said, I answer all the emails that come in, usually within 24 hours. Doug Marsh 4, that's the number 4, ccc.com. And Sam, I appreciate it. And Tice is correct. Yeah, we have to keep these somewhat succinct, and I look forward to being on the Battleborn podcast again. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Doug. Go get them, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you much, Sam. This show is brought to you by the Libertarian Party of Nevada. Music is provided by T. Sims. Please support the show by subscribing, sharing it with friends, and leaving a positive review on iTunes. For more information or to learn how to get involved, visit lpnevada.org. Thank you for listening.